This is the podcast for the British International School New York and welcome to Bisney Behind the Scenes, the podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about life at the school. In this episode, we speak to three guests. We have Annette, year two teacher and head of the lower school. We have Oliver, head of the middle school, and he also teaches some music and tech. And finally, we have David, head of the upper school, and he teaches music and PSHE too. And we're talking pastoral care throughout all of this. So we'll be looking at what this means in the school and how it looks day to day. We talk about the changing opportunities and priorities for the students as they progress through the school. And we discuss the role of the curriculum and the extracurriculum programs in aiding good pastoral care. So let's get into this episode right now with Annette, Oliver and David, otherwise known as Dave. Annette, Oliver and Dave, welcome to Bisney Behind the Scenes. It's great to have you here on this podcast episode. How are you all doing today? I'm doing well, thank you for asking. I just finished up my first lesson of the day, which was math, and here I am, fresh and ready for you. Thank you, Annette. Oliver, how about you? Uh, I'm doing well, a, a little bit flustered. I've been uh, chasing around this morning, uh, sorting out a few loose ends, uh, but now finally find a nice calm spot to, to join you on the podcast. Good calm spot. It's always a nice part of the day. That, that's got to be good. And Dave, how about you? How's your day looking today? It's going well. I uh, invigilated a year 10 exam this morning. Uh, they're winding down, so the students are feeling excited to come to that point. I've been looking forward to today's conversation, so I'm excited to be here. And a year 10 exam, do you know if they were feeling nervous at all for that? Uh, yeah, you could say that. But they've also been spending a lot of time revising and studying. So I think they were just anxious to finally meet the moment, show what they know, and they're looking forward to having it behind them. Before we get into the meat of this episode, just interesting to talk about this for a second, because it's quite hard sometimes when we're adults to remember what it's like to go into an exam when you're in year 10. Do you find that working in a school really helps you to remember what it was like and then to be in a better position to reassure students. I do. I think I think you bring back a lot of memories do come back about what it was like to sit those exams and different assessments. I also think that it's, you know, an exceptionally difficult time though for students to sit exams given what this last year has been. So, I think teachers really mm. do empathize from their own experience but also knowing that this year has been exceptional. So, they're uh, meeting the moment and they're doing brilliantly managing a lot of different moving pieces. But I think it's really important to know that actually it's funny because in the middle school we've also been wrapping up exams and going through feedback and one of the key elements that we highlight with the students in the middle school is that although when they get to that age and taking a serious set of exams seems a little bit daunting, they've got so much more experience by doing it through the middle school so that when they arrive at the upper, these more kind of serious exams which are going external don't seem quite so scary because we've really phased through exams and they've had experience from you know year seven eight and nine building that experience so I think it's really great that they have the opportunity to to learn over time and not just be suddenly expected to do it but uh, I do remember myself and I was reflecting on the exams myself from back at school so it is a, a scary time a little bit I suppose. And Annette, how have you found things over the last 12 months and, and, and how are the pupils facing things given that the world is now coming back to normal, albeit a little bit slowly, but coming back to normal despite? Well, the last, last 12 months have been pretty interesting and I have to say that we've been fortunate enough to have been in school all the time. Where in New York, most children have been on remote learning and are just entering their school buildings for the first time, we've been fortunate enough to have been in school. It's been a little tricky because I work with the little ones. I work with year two and they're very social 
and um, trying to keep them distance has been a bit of a challenge, but they all <laughs> understand and realize that like we're doing this to keep us all safe. So it's been a mm. tricky year, but the children have done an amazing job coping with it. Now, I think most people who are listening to this podcast episode, they're going to know who all three of you are. But just for the sake of anyone listening who might not know, could each of you just explain who you are and what it is that you do within the school? So I'll start. I'm Annette Otley. I'm a year two teacher and I'm also the head of the lower school here at Bisney. I'm Oliver Goldstein. I'm head of the middle school, taking over from uh, Annette, uh, which means I oversee students who are in years five through nine. Uh, I also teach quite a lot of them through a little bit of music, through technology, um, but my main responsibility is overseeing the pastoral care of all those students and ensuring that they transition successfully to high school with Mr. McWilliams. Perfect segue, Mr. Goldstein. My name is David McWilliams. I'm the head of the upper school, and so I am uh, charged with the provision of students in years 10 through 13, pastoral care, academic um, and I also teach music lessons to students within that division and also some in the middle school and PSHE as well. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, a question for all of you and feel free to, for anyone to jump in. What does pastoral care mean at Bisney and what does it actually look like on a day to day basis? Uh, well, for me, I think the common misconception, I think, is people in schools too often separate pastoral care from academic success. And pastoral care for me is ensuring that students are happy, healthy, and enjoying school. But it's also making sure that they're successful in school. I suppose that phrase beyond any other is, is key, and it's ensuring that they have what they need to make the next phase. So coming from a net year division into the middle school, and then us in thinking about, okay, what's the next thing they need to be ready for? so that we are kind of ahead of time rather than being responsive to the challenges they're facing, trying to anticipate they're ready for what may come next. And for me in the lower school, pastoral care is actually getting the children settled into school. So we work with the children from nursery, which are 2.8 years old, and I go, I'm in charge of the children up until year four. Mm -hmm. And it's there be some of their first times in school, first, you know, first interactions in large classes small classes one teacher more than one teacher so for me pastoral care is making sure everyone's happy feel safe feel heard they settle in nicely and they begin to understand what academia is about taking responsibility for their actions taking responsibility for their learning as well as preparing them to move on to Mr. Goldstein, so preparing them for test taking and things like that. So for mm. me, pastoral care is more like, you know, making sure that they're comfortable and are on the right track to be meeting the targets they need to meet, as well as getting ready to move on to the next division. Dave, just before we come on to you here, Annette, could you just explain a little bit more about this and the role that parents can have in ensuring that their children are happy when they're at school? So I think one of the roles that the parents can have to ensure that their children are happy at school is to listen to their children as well as listen to the teachers. I think as educators, um, especially I, I find all educators, but we put a lot of effort into making sure the children feel safe, secure and heard. And I think it's important for the parents to understand, like if little Tommy comes home and says, oh, my teacher said this, that instead of just knowing that little Tom, you said, my teacher said this, that you can ask the teacher for the context of what's happening. Because mm. I think once the children realize that the parents and the teachers are on the same um, playing field, mm. that they tend to just fall in line and do what's expected on both ends. 
So therefore, good communication, I guess, between the school and parents is going to be key, isn't it? Well, we definitely have great communication here at our school. I, parents reach out via email. We send out each class, send out their weekly newsletters. There's a headmaster's newsletter. So we have lots of opportunities for communication. Thank you for that, Annette. You're welcome. Dave, how does it look for you? Yeah, in the upper school, we're picking up on a lot of the pieces that uh, Annette and Oliver have also mentioned. But really, we're getting the students to look you know, beyond upper school as well into what they're thinking about pursuing after they leave Disney Upper. So we're getting them to think about, in the first instance, some of their course choices. Some of the students coming in, you know, are not as familiar with the A-level program. So by the time they're getting to years 12 and 13 and they're selecting courses that they really love and are passionate about, it's about building a relationship with them, getting to know their strengths, getting to know where their interests lie, helping them choose those courses throughout their time with us. But as they move beyond, getting them to think about what they might want to pursue at the university level. If university is something that they're interested in pursuing, where that might be, what school might be the right fit. And really, it's all about building that relationship with the students from the time they come in in year 10, working with their mentor, who is someone they they meet with in the morning and the afternoon each day and ongoing throughout term, and really just investing in getting to know each student individually to see what path is right for them as they move forward. You mentioned their mentor. Tell me a little bit more about that and how that works. Yeah, I would say the mentor is one of the most important roles in our pastoral system. This person is somebody who, I mean, there's duties assigned where they're taking attendance in the morning and, you know, in the afternoon, leaving the students before they disembark for the end of the day and kind of giving them last minute reminders. But more importantly, it's really building a relationship with them throughout the term, goal setting with them around each of the classes they're taking, reflecting with them throughout the term as reports come up and uh, assessments come back. They're also the first port of call for class teachers to get in touch if they have a concern about a student or if parents need to get in touch. Mm -hmm. They are a member of staff who's also a teacher who is charged, you know, with just being the first port of call in developing those relationships with students and kind of being a go-between between class teachers and parents as well. And I think something to note on the mentors is that's not just upper, that, that actually starts in the middle school. So in the lower school, students are used to having a class teacher who is one person they see for a, a large part of the day. As they come into the middle school, we're divided into two chunks or two sections called the mesh, which is years five and six, and MYP, which is uh, seven, eight, nine. In the mesh, they still have a class teacher, so they're kind of carrying that experience from the lower school, so it feels familiar, but starting to introduce more teachers. And then as they come into year seven, then they're growing in independence, a lot more teachers, they move into the mentor model. um, And -hmm. as David says, they're then guiding them through this kind of new phase, making the next changes, getting ready for what's next. But most of the time, or a lot of the time, we're able to carry those mentors right through from year seven, eight, nine into the upper school. So that although there's other things changing for the students as they go into upper, they have that consistency and they have that familiarity and that person who knows them incredibly well, which I think is one of the great successes of, of our school, getting students through from, as Annette said, you know, two years old, potentially through to 18 years old. Now, Oliver, you mentioned there about children changing as they move through the school and go into upper. For all of you, what priorities and opportunities change for the children as they get older and go through school life? I think in the upper school, you know, similar to what we have on offer throughout the other divisions as well, it's about finding more opportunities for leadership. So, you know, we have a lot of clubs that meet after school and extracurricular activities. 
But I think in the upper school, we try and make sure that we have opportunities for students to either get involved in something that's already on offer by, you know, taking on a leadership role or by proposing a club or something that maybe doesn't exist currently that they have an interest and passion in and, you know, co-leading that with a member of staff, but having a bit more of a leadership role as they get ready to, you know, go, go outside into the world of university and college, where a lot of times that's the experience schools are looking for. So it's kind of building on what's already in place in some of the other divisions, but giving them a bit more of a leadership opportunity. And Annette, are, are leadership roles the kind of thing that should be reserved for the upper school and nothing at all to do with the lower school? No way. In the Excellent. lower school, we have our first introduction into our leadership with student council. With the mm -hmm. children in the lower school, we have one student council rep per class and mm -hmm. they interview. So the kids have prepared, um, in the past years, have prepared speeches. We did voting to see who was going to be the student council rep for your class, representing our class in the whole school's uh, student council meeting. So leadership definitely starts in the lower school as well. <laughs> Excellent response to a slightly loaded question there. Thanks, Annette. Uh, Oliver, how does it look in the middle school? Well, yeah, I mean, Anthony, I think it was a great question because it's so true that actually, you know, the first two words that spring to mind when I think of, you know, how it changes is responsibility and independence. And when I speak to the students who are coming into the middle school or who are coming into the MYP in year seven, you know, those tend to be the words that naturally want to come out of my mouth, you know, and because mm. it is key. But it is worth remembering that as a school, we are developing it all the way through. You know, it's mm. not a suddenly, oh, we're in a new division, so it's completely changed. The expectations have utterly changed. It is an ongoing process. It is right through the school. Um, having mm. said that, you know, I do feel that, you know, that increase in academic expectation, that increase in responsibility from the students is certainly something that's notable. Simple things like a little bit more trust in the students to move around the school site independently comes as they're older. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's important for the students is, you know, they have to start doing these things on their own and particularly with scholarship, you know, and how they approach their studies, knowing as a teacher more and more when to pull back and, and not provide the support to give them what mm -hmm. they need so that that independence comes through so that, again, they're ready for when they get to university in particular. In the lower school that we also have kind of linked up with this year, which I thought has been kind of a nice um, opportunity, just also providing opportunities for students to dialogue with one another. I think that does fall under pastoral care and, you know, having them build relationships across year levels. It was just a, an exciting opportunity this year, trying to make sure that the students in all divisions felt connected you know, across divisions, we piloted a program with the year 11s and the year 3s where they were just paired up once weekly. And it was a really nice way to have, I mean, from my perspective, seeing the upper students kind of step into the role as a leader and mentoring another student. Oftentimes they were just talking about common interests or we tried our best to kind of pair them up with uh, similar countries that they might be from or languages spoken. And they all took on kind of a interesting sort of relationship on their own, but it was a really nice way, I think, that added to the pastoral support of having them just connect with students in other divisions and across year levels. Mm -hmm. I think from the lower level, from year three's um, perspective, it was great for them to interact with these older children and they looked up to them. And the children in Umbra, they did a really fantastic job at like introducing them to new technology, like games like Quizlets and things like that. And it really formed a strong partnership. And I think, Dave, that was a really good thing that we instituted. And I think that next year we should try to take it forth with other grades as well. Absolutely. So tell me then what role the curriculum and extracurricular program plays in creating a meaningful pastoral program. 
Well, I think one of the things we've seen huge growth over the last few years is in our PSHE program. For the PSHE program is, is based from the English National Curriculum and standing for personal, social, health and economic education. And so this is directly embedded in the curriculum as a subject each week, um, providing us you know, lesson time to deliver specific content. Um, to work with the students on, you know, their well-being, you know, mindfulness, reflecting on how they feel, their identity, mm. you know, working on what mean what it means to be a successful friend, and all sorts of things like that. So there's actually directed time given to reflect on these important topics, which, mm. you know, which actually kind of balance really nicely within the kind of more ad hoc day-to-day work that the mentors and class teachers are always doing. In the middle school, we've also added an extra element called skills for learning where we're really providing more time to focus in on things like executive functioning something as simple as writing an effective email um, and actually Mm -hmm. providing the students with you know a lot of skills that they need to to be successful Mm -hmm. and to be happy and healthy. Dave anything else to add to what Oliver just said? I would just say in the upper school you know they have a bit more time in their school day so while they're taking those IGCSE and A-level classes they also have study breaks where they're meant to be, you know, getting on revising, studying, but it's also a time where I've seen students reach out to teachers to work in small groups or one-on-one for extra support and tuition. And I think that's really key to students taking ownership in their own learning. So building in that time throughout the school day where they're getting on and working on homework or projects, but also reaching out and making sure that they're they're asking for support if and when they need it. And of course, teachers will also you know, recommend that they set up a time as well. But I've been really impressed to see you know, the initiative students have taken to set up that time uh, for support. And one of the things we talked about earlier on is what it's like to be in the shoes of students by remembering back to when, when we were all younger uh, instead of being adults. But in what other ways can teachers help to keep up with the challenges and opportunities faced by children? I would say in the lower school, one of the things that um, teachers could do is just listen to the children. I think that Mm -hmm. sometimes in education, we get so wrapped up in what we need to teach and what the expectations are. And I found this year, I've let the children lead some of my um, lessons into a different direction. So we were learning about different cultures and how they express themselves. And in my mind, I had some cultures that I wanted to learn about. And the children was like, well, how about we do some research about Japan? And we can call this one's mom, and then we can do this, and we can do that. So sometimes just letting letting go of the control and letting the children steer the topics it's really rewarding. It's rewarding mm. for us and it's rewarding for them as well because they feel like they have a voice and they can use their voice as well. Oliver, Dave, anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, and, and Annette's hit the nail on the head there with the fact that student voice is key. You know, and, and I think as a school, we are very good at listening to the students and giving them the opportunity. I think we're also lucky that we have a group of students who are very good at, even if we weren't, who they would make us listen anyway. So I think it's quite a good combination that that we do listen to them, but that they, they would make us listen if we weren't. You know, and, and that's really led to them coming up with so many initiatives. In year six, we have what's called exhibition, where the students are all tackling an issue from, you know, increasing the number of bees through to financial diversity in the world um, and actually leading on projects that have an impact and they have a great voice through those we've got this something similar in year nine called the community project where students again are picking on environmental and community projects that they want to take a lead on Um, the diversity group is leading our first ever student uh, equity conference so we've got something coming up towards the end of the year called the first ever business equity conference and where students have really taken a drive 
on educating on topics that are important to them. And I think the students are brilliant at that, but that student voice, you know, is definitely the heart of it. And knowing that you're not going to know everything, particularly when it comes to new technologies <laughs> and adapting and, and doing our best to keep up sometimes as well, I think. I think one thing that the IB lends itself to is the children taking action. And one a, a big part of our school is after every unit is to take action. And even from the little children in year two, we've taken action and we've adopted some endangered animals. We've adopted um, some elephants from the Sheldrick Wild Trust in our oh, Sharing wow. the Planet unit. So taking action is a big thing for us as well. And that absolutely follows on into the upper school, building on a lot of what they're already experiencing in lower and middle. Uh, student voice this year has been exciting because the students have you know wanted to start our first, we call it the Upper Gazette, we call it the Bug for short, but it's just an, it's a monthly gazette that the students publish themselves. They have articles in it that they write on a variety of topics that they're very passionate about or interested in, recipes they share, short stories they write, and they share with the community. They encourage staff and other students to kind of write in response, and I think it's another example of the way that student voice is so much a part of what every day is like here at Bisney. Well, look, we need to bring this episode to a close in a minute, but for anyone who's heard anything and maybe wants to get in touch with a follow-up question, what's the best way for them to connect with the school? I would say visiting our school website is probably the best way. You can find all of our contact information there. That's www.bis-ny.org. Well, look, Annette, Oliver and Dave, thank you all for your time. Thank you for being here today. It's been really good hearing about life in the lower, middle and upper school from a pastoral point of view. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Simon. So that was Annette, Oliver and Dave speaking to us today about pastoral care. Thank you all three of you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. It was great to hear from you all. If you've heard anything about anything that any of them have said and would like to get in touch, then please do contact the school through the website on www.biz-ne.org. That's B-I-S-N-Y.org. And also, if you haven't followed this podcast channel yet, then now is the time to do so, because then when the next episode comes out, you'll just get a small notification to let you know that it's there. So go and do that. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye for now.